It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, September 17th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Two elementary classrooms in Sitka were quarantined recently after several students tested positive for the coronavirus. The district administration credits an in-school testing program for helping limit the spread of the virus to other classrooms. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The Sitka School District has so far escaped some of the worst outcomes experienced by schools in other parts of the country during the pandemic, where high infection rates at the start of the year this past August in particular forced districts to end in-person instruction just days after opening. For much of the last school year, in fact, reported infections in Sitka school buildings were few and far between, and transmission of the virus within schools was thought to be zero. That all changed on Friday, September 10th. We had two classes last week quarantined that were uh, sent, and then we brought uh, the students back and had them test on Monday. Frank Hauser is superintendent of Sitka Schools. The district's optional COVID testing program caught the two positives on Thursday, resulting in the quarantine of two classes at Kiku Shaheen Elementary School on Friday. Kiku Shaheen serves students in grades 2 through 5, none of whom is yet eligible for a vaccine. The same optional testing program caught four more cases on Monday, and the quarantine of one class was extended. The total active cases associated with Kiku Shaheen as of Thursday, September 16th, now stands at eight. Under previous mitigation strategies in place last year in the district, this many cases would have closed the building for two weeks. Instead, in-person learning is occurring as usual, except for the quarantine classes. Hauser says this is the objective of the district's layered mitigation strategy this year, to keep students in school. Really, our ability to offer, you know, that what really is our rapid COVID-19 screening testing um, earlier in the year was described as a game changer for us, especially for this year. Um, you know, the two of the positive students last week that were identified um, were identified using our new screening testing. And to date, we've actually tested hundreds of students along with staff. And we're continuing to provide testing to bring students and staff back in the building safely after we've identified a positive case. The district uses a rapid antigen test developed by Abbott Laboratories to screen students. Any positives are sent to search for confirmation using a more accurate laboratory PCR test. The testing remains optional, however. Parents or guardians have to fill out a permission form to allow the district to test their student. Because there's not universal participation, Hauser says it's important for parents to be vigilant about their students' health. Some of the recent cases were no surprise. Really, we know definitively that some of the COVID-positive individuals um, in households and students coming uh, back to school uh, sick. And so we just really want to encourage families, encourage um, you know students that if they're feeling sick or have COVID-like symptoms, that they stay home, um, get tested, and just make sure that they're uh, safe and follow the mitigations um, because you know we want to make sure that we keep COVID out of the schools. One other case reported by the district was associated with Baranoff Elementary School, which houses K-1. Hauser says that positive was an adult vaccinated staff member who is currently isolating. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. 
The city of Yakutat is experiencing its first COVID outbreak in months. According to a press release posted on the city's Facebook page, the city is now reporting nine active COVID cases, bringing Yakutat's cumulative cases to 32 since the pandemic began. Five of the positive patients are local residents, six of the patients are vaccinated, and seven were experiencing symptoms at the time of testing. Two of the patients had no symptoms at the time of testing, but one later developed symptoms overnight. While there is currently no mask mandate in Yakutat, some businesses are asking people to mask up, as is Yakutat's incident commander, John Waldron. You know, whether you're a vaxxer or non-vaxxer, uh, mask wearer or non-mask wearer, um, you know, please respect the uh, community and the businesses that want masks. Please you know, have a mask with you. Um, comply. The Yakutat Community Health Center will be hosting drive-through testing for the community this Friday, September 17th from 11 to 1 and 5 to 7 p.m. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, it authorized a land sale to the Sitka Community Land Trust for the price of $1. The sale was approved by the voters in a ballot question in 2006 for the development of an affordable housing project. In 2015, the Assembly transferred the first section of the allotted land to the Trust. The group has since built three homes on its current property and plans to build four more there. There are also similar plans to build another seven homes on the lots transferred this week. During public comment, Executive Director Mim McConnell said the organization held two open houses earlier this month and the waitlist for the housing in the neighborhood is growing. Um, so this, this fills a, a, a kind of a section of our community that, um, that don't make enough to buy a house on the market, and, but they do make enough to have a mortgage that ends up being right about, about what they'd be paying for rent. And so it gets them out of that rental um, loop that you get into and gets them into a better place where th- they can um, start building equity for their future. Richard Wien was one of two people who called on the Assembly to press pause on the vote and to consider other options. But I don't think that their current strategy um, meets that need. It, it meets uh, for middle class needs, which I think is wonderful. But there are many people here who need truly uh, starter homes. And I think that you could do so much better uh, by trying to sell the land. During assembly deliberation, member Valerie Nelson said things had changed a lot since voters approved the land sale 15 years ago. She said she'd like more information on the organization's financials. During assembly deliberation, Kevin Mosier said he understood the housing wasn't affordable for everyone, but it was one option. This is just one of many different types of affordable housing that is a real difficult uh, word to to agree on. Everyone has a different opinion on what that would be. This isn't for everyone. It's just one of many options to hopefully um, open some living spaces for people here. The measure passed five to one with member Valerie Nelson opposed. The Petersburg School Board has passed a COVID mitigation plan that loosens masking requirements for students and tightens up travel protocols. The vote came Tuesday night at a three-hour regular meeting that was moved to the right auditorium to accommodate a larger crowd. KFSK's Angela Denning reports. About 40 people spread out in the auditorium. Many had signed up to give testimony to the board. At a recent work session, some disgruntled parents interrupted the board, yelling at them. But this night, 
Petersburg Police Chief Jim Kerr gave a warning. Outbursts and profanity-laced statements may also fall under disorderly conduct and will not be tolerated. The board first heard from three doctors with the Petersburg Medical Center and the public health nurse. Then came about 45 minutes of public testimony, mostly about masking. Parent Eric Dreisbaugh, like some others, said masking should be a personal choice. We are not here to get into debate on whether masks work or don't. The point is, when large groups of masked kids are constantly in close contact outside of school, we feel there is no point in requiring the masks in school. Parent Matt Powick asked the board not to follow what any parent was asking for. He said they should only follow guidance from the medical experts. Who am I to give any guidance whatsoever on how the school should go about mitigating a pandemic? If you need a guy to write you a piece of software, I'm your man. But my opinion on preventing the spread of a virus in our school system isn't worth the price of the paper it's printed on. Some educators testified, like fifth grade teacher Greg Kowalski. He spoke against masking, saying it obstructs communication in the classroom. Both verbal and nonverbal cues are lost with masks. Masking should be minimal or non-existent, and definitely up to the parents. But second grade teacher Michelle Brock supported masking to prevent distance learning, which she said is nearly impossible for young students to do. She said if masking was optional, it could segregate students. I feel that is going to create a division that could be devastating for relationships for both students and staff. The board also received over 50 letters and over 200 comments from the public through a survey. In the end, the board approved a plan that includes following COVID protocols according to risk status. The big question for the board to decide involved the yellow or moderate risk status when there are some cases in the community, but not many. This is where the school district has been most of the time during the pandemic. School board member Katie Holmland said that part has been a very difficult process. It's heartbreaking on both sides of it, but it is even more heartbreaking to try to find middle ground and try to, try to value everybody's input and make you feel validated is heartbreaking. Our goal is to keep kids in this building. How do we go about that? With a four to one vote, the board ultimately decided that some masking was required for students. The new moderate risk plan has students masking at times when they cannot be three feet apart. Masking is required for students while moving around, in common areas, and classrooms when students and staff cannot be spread out. For staff, masking is universal. The plan also gives the superintendent authorization to change the risk status or tighten or loosen rules as necessary in each school, with guidance from a newly formed health advisory committee. The administrators are now working out the operational details for implementing the new plan. It will likely look different in each school. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.